Can I rant for a sec? Please. Pay apps are way too public. What happened? Some rando hearted a payment from five months ago, and I realized people can see my entire history, who I'm paying, like full names. It's super weird. Yeah, it's weird. How are you paying your friends then? Apple Cash. It's all in messages. You can literally send cash like a text, and it stays between friends. Random people can't see it. Did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? <laughs> Services are provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Terms apply. It's the Kia Summer Sticker Sales Event, so give your friends something to look at. Like a B&B with an ocean view, an endless field of wildflowers, or a sunset that needs no filter. Make this a summer to share and save with a capable Kia SUV or powerful sedan. See your local Kia dealer or visit Kia.com to learn more. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-334-KIA for details. Always drive safely. Sale applies to purchase of specially tagged 2024 vehicles only. Quantities are limited. Must take delivery by 7824. As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Gene Fodor! Gene was good! But be careful, because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. The CIA really needs your help, Gene. Freeze, Americano! Gene, run! Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Welcome to Stuff Mom Never Told You from HowStuffWorks.com. Hello and welcome to the podcast. This is Molly. And I'm Kristen. Kristen, today our question is whether size matters. It's a topic that has been requested by many listeners. So many times. It's an age-old question that you very often see, you know, if you're reading a lady mag, if you're reading a men's magazine, mm-hmm. they're going to talk about the size of a man's penis. Yes. So I have a little story to share with you guys about um, something that happened to me this week related to penis size, but it's PG rated. It PG. So I made sure you guys, I made sure Molly wasn't going to filth up this podcast. <laughs> so uh, I've been taking this exercise class, it's 10 people, two guys, eight girls, basically. And we were doing this exercise where uh, it just strengthened your abdominal muscles. Mm-hmm. And you lay on your back and you hold your feet up six inches from the ground because that, you know, requires you to draw on your core to hold your feet up. And uh, it can be very hard if your abdominal muscles aren't that good. You might go higher to kind of, you know, take some pressure off your abs. So we've been doing this exercise a few times. And finally, this guy looks up and he's like, it's really funny to see what you girls think six inches looks like, because I don't know if you've noticed, but... Me and the other guy in this class were doing exactly six inches from the ground. And he was not trying to imply that, you know, he had better abdominal muscles than the rest of us. Mm-hmm. He was just making, he was just implying that if we really thought that having our feet halfway, you know, like 20 inches off the ground, if that was six inches, then he felt that we must think that guys are pretty well endowed. Ah, uh, that six inches is huge. Yeah. He okay. was like, that six inches is huge that you girls are thinking of. And, uh... Because six inches is the average size of the male penis, I think that his anecdote proves that even when exercising, men are worried about the size of their penis. According to our research, that is absolutely correct. And it makes total sense, you know, that he, uh, these men were able to exactly gauge six inches, which as we'll go into in more detail is roughly the, uh, the size of the average male member. Um, because Statistics bear out the fact 
that guys, you are so concerned about penile size, whereas women, yeah, don't seem to care. Yeah. And so let's get into some myths. Let's get into some measurements, mm-hmm. because apparently, according to our research, you you ask a guy, uh, you know, how long is it? He's going to have a number to rattle off for you. Yeah, it's very true. Um, so I think, Molly, the best place for us to start is with this study that we found from the British Journal of Urology entitled Penile Size and the quote-unquote Small Penis Syndrome. And guys, before you get all freaked out about small pen- penis syndrome, just bear with us because the study actually busts a lot of common myths about male genitals. Right. This is great. It's great news. But they do start with a historic look at why men would be so hung up, uh, for lack of a better word, <laughs> um, on penis size. From the very beginning of time, uh, penises have been equated with masculinity. Obviously, yes. it's the most uh, obvious marker between the genders. And so even when they go back and look at, you know, cave drawings and ancient texts, the most uh, powerful men are depicted with huge penises, uh, to the point that in some cultures, uh, like the Topinama of Brazil, the men would encourage poisonous snakes to bite their penis to make it enlarge for six months. Six months. So throughout time and history, we have people worrying about uh, the size of the penis in relation to the size of their masculinity and power. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it absolutely makes sense that there is this, uh, like you said, this hang-up on penile size, especially with men. But when these researchers went back and reevaluated a lot of studies dealing with um, correlations between, say, penile size and ethnicity or age, what have you, they found that um, it's actually not as this whole penis quandary that a lot of men get stuck in is really just a bunch of myths that deserve to be busted. For instance, Molly, you want me to throw out, you want me to bust some myths right quick? I would love that. All right, here we go. Get ready. The notion that penis size varies according to race. False. Yes. No matter what you've heard in the locker room, False. The oft-repeated myth that older men tend to have smaller penises. False. False. And last but not least, the average size of the penis. All right. Here we go, people. It's around five and a half to six inches in length. And about 4.7 to 5.1 inches in circumference. Yes. Um, so there may be people slightly bigger than that. There may be people slightly smaller than that. That is the average but what the study then goes into is the men who are on, you know, the smaller or larger side of that and how one little number affects their entire self-esteem. And it really reminded me of reading about women and their weight struggles because it is just one little number that can totally affect your self-esteem. For example, men who thought that they had a smaller penis had poorer body image. They didn't like the way their faces looked. Uh, they didn't like the way they looked in a swimsuit. Mm-hmm. Basically, this would, you know, just affect so many things in their lives. But when the when the researchers who wrote this article went in and looked, the men who thought they had small penises actually had average sized penises. Right. And this isn't surprising because jumping to another study right quick on um, whether it's actually entitled Does Size Matter? Um, in their the, these researchers surveys, uh, only 55 percent of the men surveyed were satisfied 
with the size of their member. 45% wanted larger penises. Um, and this whole idea of the quote-unquote small penis syndrome is directly related to body dysmorphic disorder, which it, we usually think about with girls when uh, girls with eating disorders, when they look in the mirror and they are emaciated and yet they still see a fat figure in front of them. They um, These men will get so hung up on their penis size and being obsessed with, you know, whether or not they are below average, that it has all of these kind of psychological repercussions. Right. So small penis syndrome is not a diagnosis for someone who has an actual small penis. It's for someone who becomes obsessive about checking the the length, not being able to see themselves accurately in the mirror, to having their life essentially, you know, taken over by their penis. And so the people who exhibited signs of this syndrome did not, again, have small penises. They were within the average. The only clinical term for a very small penis is micropenis. Yes, and if you have a micropenis, we're talking about under two inches flaccid. It's so small that you have to pee sitting down. Yeah, I mean, that's a clinical thing, and researchers are uh, making headway, actually, in removing skin from other parts of the body and elongating it so that you can do these basic functions like go to the bathroom, have an erection. Those were things that people with micropenises can't do. So, again, small penis syndrome is just people who are upset about the size. Well, and it's interesting to look at where small, how small penis syndrome arises because according to this study from Porterfield, Porterbrook Clinic, um, 62.7% said that their concerns started in childhood when they compared their penis to that of their friends. And this is often referred to as the locker room syndrome. Um, while 37.3% said that their concerns began during their teen years after seeing pornographic images. You know, they're seeing these men who are paid to depict, you know, kind of the, um, hyper masculine sexual image, which, you know, I'll just throw out Ron Jeremy's name and you can put the rest together from there. But, you know, I was also interested because they talked about how the first penis a boy sees is his father's usually. Mm -hmm. And we talked about how in the circumcision episode, one main reason for, uh, that people circumcise or not circumcise is they want the, the child to look like the father. But from the child's perspective, I would see the father's penis looks so much bigger than the boy's penis. And that's what some of these males cited as giving them this complex. Mm-hmm. So we go through all this, you know, drama about circumcision to make sure they look alike. But to a kid, it doesn't look alike. It looks bigger and it gives them a complex. Right. And the same type of thing you, you could you could draw a parallel between between that and women and breast size. Mm-hmm. You know, a young girl seeing a woman's fully formed breast or even just like a small chested woman, you know, standing next to a woman with perhaps a full look up. Um and and there's and there's still the, these same kinds of um of size questions, but it's it does not seem to be as pervasive among women in terms of their their breast size, and certainly not with um, their genitalia as it is with men and penises. So, why don't we um, keep bussing some more myths, Molly? Here's a myth that's always intrigued me, Kristen: the the link between a man's foot or his hand mm-hmm. and his penis size, mm-hmm. because there will inevitably be someone. Uh, if you're hanging around and someone, you know, drops a shoe or something, they'll say, you know what they say about guys with big feet? Oh, they wear big shoes, Molly. That's, that's the, the crazy thing that but everyone, everyone likes knows. to say. Yeah. But everyone knows what you're thinking. Everyone knows what you're talking about. But busted up, Molly. Has no, no effect on it. And if there is an effect, if there is, you know, a very small correlation, that's all it is. It's correlational. It's not causation. 
You cannot, you cannot approach the fellows in the bar looking at their shoes. It is statistically insignificant. So women, stop looking at people's feet and guys, stop wearing shoes that are two sizes too big. <laughs> if you see a guy showing up in a clown size shoe, he's one of the people who's really worried about overcompensation <laughs> about looking at himself in the mirror. But here's the thing that was most fascinating to me about all of these penile studies, Molly. It's a fact that these scientists and researchers are measuring penises. And how on earth does that work? Well, that was a very interesting question, Kristen, one that Slate.com dived into because uh, one of the first major penis studies was from the Kinsey Institute where uh, they had the men self-report their penis size. They had basically... First, the men were in in the office, and uh, the uh, the researcher would hold up a ruler, and the ruler didn't have any numbers on it, but they would slide their finger over the ruler and tell the man to stop when he thought that that represented his penis size. And um, then those men had to go home, measure themselves, and then mail in a postcard that said, you know, the number they got. Right, and they would they measure themselves both erect and flaccid. And they did find that the the uh, the number between the ruler estimate. And the uh, postcard estimate was usually off. That men always kind of gave themselves a little bit more when they didn't have the number involved. But again, men will also give themselves a little credit. It's been shown when they're self-reporting versus mm-hmm. when they're having a researcher measure. So the researchers decided maybe we should just kind of make a little bit of a compromise between flaccid and erect. So the generally accepted method for measuring a penis is to measure it when the penis is flaccid but stretched because the penis is full of the spongy tissue that uh, stretches out. And so what happens is, yes, they uh, they, they just kind of stretch the member a little bit and uh, measure away. They'll measure on the top from where it hits the, the stomach or the torso, lower torso, to the tip. And uh, so if you ever see, like, I remember there was this seed on weeds where two guys are comparing mm-hmm. and they decide to get erect to, to have the full measurement. But the official scientific way generally accepted as is, as Kristen said, stretch, stretch flaccid. Yes. And even then, which is the name of our new band. <laughs> and even then the slate article points out that it still isn't entirely reliable. So um, I really, Molly, I'd never thought about um, measurement methodology of male genitalia, but it is, complicated business. So it is an inexact science, but what the research shows is that no matter the number you get and no matter how you got it, you're still going to be, men are still upset in some ways with the number they get. And uh, so I'd like to move to a 2006 study called Does Size Matter? It was, uh, Kristen mentioned it earlier, it was published by the APA, and uh, it talked about a 2003 poll that was sponsored by MSNBC.com and Elle magazine. And uh, it was where men self-reported on the size and whether they were happy with it, whether they saw it as average, below average, above average. And as Kristen cited earlier, 45% of the men were unhappy with with their penis size. But the women, there were women answering this question, too, about their partner's penis. And uh, of the women, only 15% would change the man's penis if they could. And some of those women would have made the man that they were seeing smaller mm-hmm. as opposed to larger. Yeah, hear that, guys? 85% of women were satisfied with their partner's penis size. 
So, I mean, again, it just thought, it just made me think of weight, where, you know, you'll read the article and a guy will say, I really don't care what you weigh. I just care if you have confidence and if you are happy with yourself. Mm -hmm. And I think that that really holds true with this penis argument, because uh, I looked at a men's health article, and that's exactly what they said. If you're unhappy with it, just have confidence with it, because that's what the that's what the woman is looking for. But I guess we can go ahead and ask the question, Kristen, does size matter when you're having sex? Does a, does penis size make difference in, make a difference in the bedroom? Well, according to our research, the answer is no, because women often report that, first of all, they aren't so much concerned about length as they are with width, mm-hmm. um, to start off with. And then there was, um, there was another study that we found that indicated that, um, kind of the, you know, going, if we're going to keep pulling out all of these, um, genital cliches, you know, the whole thing about, you know, the size of the boat and the motion of the ocean. And it kind of confirmed that it was basically like men need to stop worrying about what their yacht looks like and learn how to drive it. Mm-hmm. And women just can't, you know, lay back in this yacht that men are trying to learn how to drive and expect everything to just happen. Uh, one study found showed that women who achieve vaginal orgasm through intercourse, uh, usually had to focus intensely on what they were feeling. Mm-hmm. And so it's it's not even, you know, if, if the man is driving the yacht and moving the ocean to use all these <laughs> metaphors, the woman still has a part to play in that. Well, sure. I think that that's kind of the, the larger point of what we're talking about is that sexual satisfaction um, is a very complex type of thing, especially for women. Like if, you know, in heterosexual relationships, if, a man's goal is to, you know, not only to just impress a woman with um, his uh, his member size, but actually to um, create a, uh, you know, pleasurable experience. You know, it's just it's aesthetics aren't going to cut it. And this hits at episodes we've done on you know, the interaction between birth control and libido, whether or not women need a Viagra, um, all these kinds of things. Whether that, you're in love with your partner, whether you're in love with your partner. Exactly. Um, the bedroom politics are, are just I mean, you can't boil it down to one single piece of anatomy. And I also don't think that. You know, it can be boiled down to one study because some of these studies are a little bit conflicting. For example, the famous sex researchers, Masters and Johnson, talked about the size of the male penis um, in a physiological way versus a psychological way. Mm-hmm. And that maybe women are just as affected by some of these cultural factors about masculinity as women are. Physiologically, Masters and Johnson concluded that a penis could have no effect on female sexual satisfaction because they said the vagina was adaptable. Um, and maybe it was just psychologically that women thought that that was what was making a factor. So, again, it's a very um, touchy issue of research and uh, not definitive in any way. Now, Molly, even though we have pretty much disproven that uh, size might make a difference, plenty of men, like we've said, um, <laughs> by the way, I can't wait to hear from all our male listeners on this because we are just throwing out generalization after generalization. Can um, I say one thing though about that? Yes, please. If you do have something to say, you probably shouldn't put penis size in the subject line. Oh yeah, junk mailbox. Because we've got a spam filter that works like no other. So mm-hmm. um, why don't we address all emails about this show with the subject line kittens or puppies? Okay. Or baby guppies. <laughs> baby guppies. We'll get to that in our listener mail segment. But uh, coming back to the psychology of it, obviously even though the statistics show that size does not make a difference. Some men out there are just bound and determined to 
increase the size of their member because they're so hung up on it. And of course, you know, everybody's seen the ads for, you know, penis enhancement pills, penis pumps, phallicectomies, I think is what the surgery is called, you know, to get the, the penis enlargement. Um, and then Molly, <laughs> we have to talk about jelking. <laughs> if we must, we must, Kristen. Uh, one of the, the sources we read to get ready for this podcast was from Salon, and it was called Size Matters. And it was the tale of a man named Mike Salvini who um, has essentially stretched his penis out five inches by doing exercises um, like jelks. Yeah, jelking, for those of you who don't know, and I'm not going to go into detail about jelking, but it's, it's sort of... Um, it's basically stretching exercises, these specific types of stretching exercises that men can perform on their genitalia uh, that supposedly stretches out the spongy tissue inside the anatomy. Because um, whereas the penis really isn't meant, isn't built to grow as a salon author pointed out, um, it, it's actually a, quote, series of chambers and veins bound by a fibrous sheath. And you can manipulate that sheath, supposedly, through jelking. And this guy, who Mike Salvini nicknamed Double Long Daddy, has, and the author confirmed it, has stretched his member out to 10.5 inches. And he leads communities. He participates in online communities of men who are trying to do the same thing. And again, that is the fact that these communities exist is sort of the reason why we have made the generalizations that we have, that some men can kind of become obsessed with this number and changing this mm-hmm. number. And again, it's not something that women are innocent of in any stretch of the imagination. Sure. Because I do think that this is probably the thing that's most equivalent to women and their weight concerns. Um but again, I just I kept going back to that study that found that people who were really upset about their penis size were within the average. Mm-hmm. And if it's something that women don't care about, as 85 percent of them don't in that survey that that examined 50,000 women, 50,000 women. OK, that's a pretty good sample size. Pretty big. 85 percent of women would not change a thing. So it's I think it's just important to to bring that up. But, you know, we did find one random fun fact. And again, this is these fun facts are random in their nature. Mm-hmm. But Kristen, do you want to talk about the a group of people who may not be interested in penis enlargement? Yes, I would love to, Molly. Um, there have been actually a few studies that have hinted around at this. And um, there are some men who might just not really care as much about um, trying to do any, any kind of joking or penis enhancement practices uh, because supposedly homosexual men have on average longer penises than heterosexual men. You heard it here. Not um, by much. Not by much. We're talking 6.32 inches compared to 5.99. But I mean, in the penis enhancement world, I mean, that is a, that's a big difference. Um, and this is based on archive data from the Kinsey Institute. And in addition to Slightly more length. They also have slightly more width. And the researchers go on to say that, um, the, the penis correlation, uh, penis homosexual correlation might lend support to theories, um, that there are actual biological factors affecting sexual orientation. 
which would make for another podcast. But there you go. Fun fact of the day. And I'll end with another fun fact that's a sort of a cautionary tale. If you have listened to us talk about penis size and have gotten a little bit worked up about your own penis size, it's a cautionary tale about Jonah Falcon, who is believed to have the largest penis uh, currently. Yes, 13.5 inches. But you know what's significant about him? I don't think that would get him many dates because he is unemployed. Uh, basically, he appeared in this documentary about uh, about his penis size. And so now whenever he goes off for jobs, he, he's trying to be an actor. Uh, you know, that's what people know about him. And people essentially dismiss him and say, well, why don't you just do porn? And he's like, I don't want to do porn. I want to be a legitimate actor. Right. But he is harnessed by this uh, factoid that is known about him. So be careful what you wish for, Jelkers. You know, I mean, be uh, uh, come on. Let's just let's get over this size matters thing. Let's move beyond it, fellas. And let's work on let's work on body confidence, men and women. Yeah. From both sides. Body confidence, no matter your size, your weight. Uh it's out there. Yeah. It's not worth it's not worth making yourself miserable, which is what women do about weight and also about and what men do about their penis size. So take comfort in the science. You are attractive just as you are. <laughs> so we're gonna end there. You know, it's uh we probably could have talked for a quite a bit more on this, but that's where we're gonna end and we would love your feedback. I'm gonna say on this one, no pictures. No photos, please. Sometimes we get photos because things are relevant. Like when we did the beard podcast. We and got tattoos. All this, got all these facial hair pictures, got all these tattoo pictures. No need. No pictures We're this good. time. And remember, we have a spam filter, so title your emails accordingly. Yes. Um, oh, geez. I picked up the first listener mail, and it's a condom response. Uh, so this is appropriate. All right. So this was about the condom podcast, and it's from Orlando. Who writes, uh, there's another use for condoms, well, for unlubricated condoms. In theater, you put your mic pack in them to keep them dry from sweat when the actor is wearing them. Well, during one rehearsal, no one had brought the condoms for the mic packs. So he ran literally out to the nearest pharmacy and while gasping for breath, asked for the largest box of unlubricated condoms they had. I had to buy two boxes and to top it all off, because this was a college theater group, I paid for it with the college credit card. And then he wrote back to say that the cashier was a 70-year-old guy. And as he's leaving, the old man says, someone's going to have a good time. But it was just for theater. It was for theater. Um, all right. Shifting gears a little bit. I've got an email here from Mary in response to our NICU podcast about premature babies. And um, she says, two years ago, my son was in the NICU for eight days. He was a full-term baby who was born the day before his due date. They aren't sure what happened, but he had an unexplained infection and needed to be in the NICU to be closely monitored. No one ever told me that this was a possibility, and it took me totally by surprise. After my son was born, they decided to take him from my room to put him in the um, in the well baby nursery for certain shots and a quick bath. They took him, and I didn't get to see him for the next five hours. And the next time I saw him, he was in the in NICU, isolate, and hooked up to tons of machines. So she says, advice I have for other moms, leaving the hospital without your baby will be the worst experience of your life. Don't be afraid to cry or be upset. God, that makes me kind of want to cry right now. Um, 
ask tons of questions on the procedures and the results. When it comes down to it, you have a right to know what procedures your child is having, the results of those procedures, and the plans for the future. Um, also, the NICU will have visiting hours. These hours can be stretched for parents for bonding purposes and ask if you can stay longer because they're usually very receptive. And then finally, as your baby progresses from the NICU, there are intermediate nursery options available to actually room with your child. When my son was finally placed in the intermediate nursery, I was allowed to actually stay in a private room and the hospital with him. He was still hooked to machines and had IVs and needed to be monitored, but I could sleep in the same room as him to get to be with him without the restrictions of the NICU visiting hours. And thanks to all of you parents out there who have sent us your um, your stories and your tips about um, dealing with having a baby in the NICU. Keep them coming, um, and we're going to keep sharing them uh, in our listener mail segments and also on our blog. And uh, during the week, you guys can follow us on Twitter and also fan us on Facebook. We would love for you to do both of those things, of course. And uh, like I said, we have a blog. It's Stuff Mom Never Told You, and you can find it at HowStuffWorks.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. Want more HowStuffWorks? Check out our blogs on the HowStuffWorks.com homepage. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? This episode is brought to you by PNC Bank, who believes some things in life should be boring, like banking. Because boring is safe and responsible, level-headed and wise. All things you want your bank to be. You don't want your bank to be cool or sexy. Sexy is for 80s hair bands, not banks. That's why PNC Bank strives to be boring with your money so you can be happily fulfilled with your life. PNC Bank, brilliantly boring since 1865. Brilliantly boring since 1865 is a service mark of the PNC Financial Services Group Incorporated. PNC Bank National Association, member FDIC. As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Gene Fodor! Gene was good! But be careful, because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. The CIA really need your help, Gene. Freeze, Americano! Gene, run! Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is your space to explore mental health, personal development, and all the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia, and I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there.